God's faithful. Well, we are going to continue on Life of Abundance today, the series. John 10, verse 10. Let's go ahead and put that up. John 10, verse 10. It says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Uh, in the New Living Translation, it says, My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. In the God's Word Translation, it says, But I came so that my sheep will have life, and so they will have, so that they will have everything they need. John 10.10 10 says, I came that they may have and enjoy life and have it in abundance to the full till it overflows. I like that translation. I came that they may have and enjoy life. This is why Jesus came. That you, that me, that his children could have and enjoy life and have it just barely enough to make it. No, no that's not what it says. Have it in abundance. What is abundance? You see it right there. To the full. Till it overflows. Too much. Is God able to give you too much in your life? Every area. He is able. And that, He's not just able. He's willing. That's why He came. Glory to God. Because He could be able, but be stingy. And that wouldn't do you any good. If He's able, but He's like, eh, do it yourself. Yeah, sure, I have the resources. Could move my pinky finger and you'd have more than enough, but you know what? I don't like you. <laughs> Thank God he is not like that. Jesus came so that you and I could experience abundant life, could experience it till it overflows. Not just a small life. I like what somebody called it, a big, wide-open life. You're running, and you're with God, and you're synced with Him, and He is helping you, and He is pouring His blessing out on you. Why? Because He just loves you more than everybody else? Because of Jesus, and because you're listening to Him and responding to this. You believe it. If you don't believe this, you'll shrink back and say, well, I don't know, i got to hold on to what I have because, you know, I don't know what He'll do. You never know what God will do. That's not true. You know God will do what He said He'll do. And we know His will. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to ponder it. You know that Jesus came so that you and I could have a big, wide-open, abundant, overflowing, to-the-full life. It's His will. Somebody says, well, what about me? I don't know. Maybe you, maybe somebody else, know, but I don't know about me. He's not qualifying it. This is why He came. He's talking about His sheep, His children. He wants us to do well. He wants us to have good things. So much that he wants it to overflow. Now, he doesn't want the things or any area to have you, but he wants you. In other words, he doesn't want something else to dictate what you do. He doesn't want something you have to dictate your relationship with him. That's backwards. That's idolatry. 
On the other hand, if we have the proper perspective and we have Him on the throne, God does not mind us and in fact wants us to be prosperous in every area. Overflowing. He wants your relationships to be overflowing. You just think, man, this is so good. How can it get better? But it gets better. Amen. Our relationships are supposed to get better. I find, you know, I've been married almost 20 years. We'll be married 20 years in May. It's better than when we started. Thank God I haven't been married. I mean, not, not, not any against somebody that's been married for a year, but I don't want to go back to year one. I mean, we had a fine relationship, but it's not... If I was still there, yeah, I'm glad. It gets better. Some people say, well, you just been married for you know, long. It just No, it gets better. Supposed to get better. Our different areas, we're supposed to know more. We're supposed to walk in more of His ways. As we do what He has said, we experience more of what He wants to experience all the time. It's just responding to Him. Amen? That's His will for us. Praise God. So, <coughs> excuse me, so we covered last time on this subject, a few weeks ago, we, we were talking about that Jesus gave His life so we could have this abundance. He gave His life. He laid down His life. Could you put up John 15, 13? We'll kind of connect with where we were and we're going to go to the next step. If you didn't hear that message, go back and listen to it. Go back and listen to the whole series. It will be a blessing to you. Get it ground into us that God is good and God wants us to succeed and He is on our side. He is not, we covered in the second message, He's not the thief, He's not the stealer, He's not the destroyer. He is good and He wants us to have abundance. John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for his friends. Well, that's what Jesus did. He laid down His life for us, and we talked about it last time. He did the heavy lifting in laying down His life. The blood, His blood that was paid for you and I, you and me, is the, the, is the most expensive pay, price that has ever been paid for anything. So there is, we should not wonder, will He help us in certain areas? Because He's already paid the high, highest price to make you and I righteous and right with Him. He has already paid the price for you and I to do well in this life. So why would He withhold it? He's paid for it. The, the, the most expensive price has already been paid. And sometimes then we, we'll question, well, will, will He do so and so? No, His will is that we have abundance. And we covered that. I encourage you to go back and listen to that if you, if you missed it. Can you please, uh, let's go ahead and turn there. Mark 8.34. Put that up on the screen. Mark 8.34. If you have your Bible, go ahead and turn there. It would uh, do you well to look at it in the Bible. 
Now you go ahead and turn there. I have my notes here, and I have the Bible verses in front of me, so sometimes you'll see me looking at this, but if you don't have something like that in front, please turn there. Look at it on a piece of paper. It helps me. I have things underlined and things like that. Mark 8.34 says, When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny myself or himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. The New Living Translation of that same verse it says, then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. If you give, but if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. Jesus laid his life down for us so that we could have life everlasting, so that we could have this abundant life. And us, we in turn, are called to lay down our lives so that others can experience the same abundant life. So the abundant life, thank God He wants us to live an abundant life. And part of that, let me say this, it's not all just so we can sit there and have an abundant life all to ourselves. Part of a real, true, abundant life is going to be spreading the good news, being involved in the king's work. To be truly fulfilled and have an overflowing life, you're going to be helping people for the sake, and in the service, for the sake of the gospel and in the service of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, you could help people in other ways, but helping people by giving them Jesus and pointing them in the direction of the Lord is the true way to help them. If you give somebody money, but they don't understand the goodness of God, and what God has for them, and don't believe in themselves, and believe that everybody should just give them something, as soon as that money's gone, they're in the same position. But if you point them to the Lord Jesus Christ, and tell them that Jesus loves them, that He died for them, that they can become a child of God, that they have a life that matters, and that they have a life that God wants to transform and God wants to pour into them. And He wants them to be the one that's overflowing and helping other people. If they believe it, if they receive it, if they start acting on it, you have transformed that person's life. They will become, instead of somebody that needs to be taken care of, they will be the person that is blessing. And we are called to be those that bring this message to the world. This is why we're still here on earth. Is because not all of God's family that will be part of His family has come in yet. If we're done, 
if the family has all been saved, then we need to just go home. Why be here? If nobody else is going to listen to the gospel anymore, what's the point of being on earth? I'd rather be in heaven. How about you? Let's go right now. Does it get out of the cold? I'm sure it's not this, this temperature in heaven. This is a fallen earth. But that's not the case. Jesus has not come back yet, and we have work to do, and we are His vessels, His hands, His feet, His body, to reconcile the world to Him. Not everybody's going to receive it, but there are those that will. And God loves them dearly. He loves them just as much as He loves you. And He wants them to come into the family. And every one of you and every person within the sound of my voice has a call on their life to reach people for Jesus. To share the gospel and then so that they can grow and get to know Him better. And to start experiencing this abundant life. But our a life of abundance is not just so we can sit and talk about how abundant our life is and look at each other and have an abundant life club. Praise God we can. Thank God we can be together and we can encourage one another and as the church, but we have a mission and a job to do to also share and to help people know Him. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He gave His Son that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the gospel in a nutshell. That's why it's such a popular verse, because if somebody looks at John 3.16... They've heard the gospel. You don't have to read 15 verses. God gave Jesus so that anybody that believes on Him, not going to perish, but have everlasting life. Boom. That's the good news. That's the gospel. And you and I are called to share that. 2 Peter 3.9. Don't have to turn there. We'll put it up on the screen. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning His promise, as some count slackness but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So he's not just taking a long time. He's patient, and he's not willing that any should perish. God does not want anyone to perish. He does not want anyone to go to hell. It's not his will. He has never sent anyone to hell. But people, by rejecting his offer of Jesus, send themselves there. Because that's the punishment. Now, we don't control that. We don't control other people's wills. You can pray that they would come in contact with the gospel. You can be a vessel to share the gospel. And let me just insert this. You don't have to force it down anybody's throat. We're to be a light. We're going to talk about that. But we're to live before people. To be a light and to share as it's appropriate. You, get, you just have to know people and when it's appropriate and not. Because they're just the same as you are. You know when somebody's selling you something. 
Don't you? Mostly. Some people are really, really good at it. <laughs> Fair point. But you know, you want, you want to be, you do want to be selling, but not, you want to be selling because it's for their good. You know, there's nothing wrong with selling people on stuff. A good salesman, a really good salesman knows what you need, knows what you want. He's not going to sell you anything you don't need. He's out for your best interest and they can prosper because if people trust them and they do what's right and they're knowledgeable and they say, you don't need that, you need this. That's expensive, but that's not going to meet your need. You get this. A person that does that is going to prosper. Well, when we're sharing, we have the best news and the best product ever. The Lord Jesus Christ and the salvation. We don't need to try to push it on them like we're selling them some two-bit piece of junk. Well, I hope you say yes. I hope you do the sinner's prayer because then I feel better about myself. That's not the way that we're supposed to share the gospel. We have the goods. They just need to understand. So how do you do that? Well, people aren't all the same. And we need to have a relationship with them. Not necessarily, some people are just going to find things and, and come to God, but we can be a vessel to point them to Jesus. We have a lot of tools to do that now. And it's just a matter, though, at the end of the day, the tools are just tools. It's still just tools to, that people interact with each other. At the end of the day, it's all interaction with people to people. Even if it's electronic... Somebody's generating some content, somebody's consuming it, but it's still person to person. And people are people. They haven't changed, even though the methods and even though some of the uh, culture has changed. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Turn over there, please. Praise you, Lord. God is so good. He, he wants us to be running with Him. And He has such good things for each person. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. We'll read it in the New King James first. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's what happened to us when we believed on Him. If we're in Christ, he is a, it says He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Verse 18, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to Himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself. So God, through Jesus, was reconciling the world to Himself. We were reconciled to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 19, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to Himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation, now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us, we implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. In the New Living Translation, let's put that up, we'll read that. 
It says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Well, what are we talking about? A life of abundance. See, that, the way to experience that truly is through the Lord Jesus Christ. That new life has begun. We become a new person on the inside. And then as we become aware of what happened, we can experience it on the outside. It can become into every area of our life as we understand what God has truly done for us through Jesus. Now, as we do, it says the old life is gone, a new life has begun. We have a new life. Verse 18, all and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. He's giving us this task. God has given his children the task of reconciling his future children to him. He's already paid the price, but it's our job to let other people know what Jesus has done for them and to invite them in to this life, this new life, that they can partake of it. That is the heart of God. Now, of course, then he wants us to grow up and know him. If everybody just got born again but didn't know anything about him and stayed there, that's not his heart either. It's both. People need to know him, but they need to be taught what he has done so that they can live the life and to the full that he has provided. It's not just about fire insurance getting saved. <laughs> You know what I mean by that? It's not just you get saved and you don't, thank God, you don't have to go to hell so you miss the fire. But the rest of this life, it's just going to be hard. That's not the heart of God. God is a life of abundance. Heaven is paradise. God does not live in a shack. He is the abundant, almighty. Wherever he is, there is abundance. He does not know lack. He is life itself. And we are his children. So he's going to give his blood the most expensive thing that's ever been paid and then just leave us muddle through the rest of life? That's not the gospel. No, it's not. The gospel is he gave his life. Thank God we're saved and we're going to heaven. Otherwise, who cares what we have on this earth? Because in a few years it's going to be burned up and then the real pain begins. 50 years of living great here, not worth an eternity of living poorly. No. Thank God we don't have to choose. We can come to Him. We can believe on what He's done. And then He has good things for us because He's a good God. He's a good Father. But He has given us the task of getting other people... Rec now, it's not our responsibility to, twist, responsibility to twist their arm and it's not our responsibility to manipulate them because... God gave each person a free will, and he himself will not force anybody to do anything. And we cannot. It's their choice, but it's our job to let them know and to love them. Hallelujah. 
He said, and God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. 19, for God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. I'm going to read verse 20 again. We are Christ's ambassadors. What's an ambassador? And the, the, the Merriam-Webster dictionary defines it this way. An official envoy, especially a diplomatic agent of the highest rank, accredited to a foreign government, or sovereign as the resident representative of his or her own government, or sovereign, or appointed for a special and often temporary diplomatic assignment. Do you realize this is a temporary deal that we're doing here? You say, well, it's taking forever. It's temporary. You're not going to live here forever. Thank God. We're not going to be on earth forever. It's temporary. But we are an agent We're appointed for a special and often temporary diplomatic assignment. Verse 2, or uh, the second definition, an authorized representative, representative or messenger. Do we realize that we are an authorized representative of the highest power in the universe? That's part of our job. We are ambassadors. We are representatives of who? The Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. It's as if Jesus himself were here talking and imploring these people. Can you go back to um, verse 20 of the New Living Translation? So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. You say, who, me? Yes. People would listen to me. God gave you the task. He gave me the task. And we step into it. There's help. He will help us. His resources are there to help us do this task. Glory to God. We are not in and of ourselves. He's not going, well, go do it. We'll see how you do. Is that the way an ambassador of a government it operates. You have the power and the resources of that government standing behind you. You speak on behalf of the government. We speak on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Come back to God. Come back to God. God is good. God is good. He is good. You know, that's our tagline, sharing the goodness of God. We want people to understand He's a good God. He loves you. He died for you. He has good things for you. Don't know what you heard about Him, but He's good. And He wants you to know Him and be part of His family. He loves you so much, He sent His Son to die for you. And I'm here to tell you that. That's part of our role. That's part, as we're living an abundant life, part of it is we are tapping in to God's heart, and that is to, 
to uh, have people come into the family and to grow up and to have a knowledge of him, of how good he is. He wants his children to come into the family, but he wants them to know. You imagine, he, he doesn't want them just to scrape by or think that he doesn't like them. God forbid. You parents, would you want your child to, to think that you don't love them? Or that you just, well, you know, I love you, but I don't like you. I mean, you know, whatever that means, but. You know, Opie, you've heard, you don't, don't look at me like you've heard it. Well, they love me, but I don't know if they really like me. I mean, anyway, moving on. God loves us. He doesn't approve of all our behavior all the time, but thank God through Jesus we're in the family. And thank God that he, he wants good things for us. And he has given us the task to share that. Philippians 3, verse 17, we'll put this up on the screen. It says, Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things, for our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Our citizenship is where? It's in heaven. See, we're citizens. If we're born again, our citizenship is in heaven. We are temporary residents here. We are aliens. We are not from here. Now, our spirit being, yeah, I mean, you, you, you were born here, but you're resident. You are resident of heaven. Our citizenship. That's why we are ambassadors. We are ambassadors for Jesus. We're ambassadors from home. Where's home? Heaven. I'm going home. I'm not going home tomorrow. But like it says here at the end of the verse, for which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We're eagerly waiting. Oh, when that trumpet sounds. If you and I are still here, imagine what it's going to be like. It's going to be heard everywhere. How is that possible? I don't know. I just believe it. How, what's that going to be like? Well, I don't know. When is it going to be? I don't know. What I do know is it doesn't change our job description. Doesn't seem like it's a real long time away, but hey, I guess it could just keep getting worse. I mean, people have been saying that for decades. It just, you know, he keeps thinking, wow, he just, it seems like, wow, how can this get like that much worse? But it could. But regardless, Jesus is going to come back. And we are to eagerly Wait for it. We are eagerly saying, Jesus, come back. When he comes back, we'll be going home. If he doesn't come back for a long time, well, then we'll be going home. <laughs> Everybody in here is eventually going to go home, if it's long enough. But our citizenship is there, and we are representatives of our home. We represent the Lord Jesus Christ. We represent Him to those that don't know Him. Philippians 2, verse 5. 
We can just turn, we'll just uh, put that up on the screens in the New Living Translation. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think it, think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges, took the humble position of a slave, and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. It starts out saying, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. We need, this is it's just telling us something, this is how we're supposed to look at it. This is how we're supposed to look at life. This is supposed to be our attitude right here. That though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Like, no, 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 can't do it. He Instead, it says, verse 7, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave or bondservant and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. That is our pattern. That is our example. To do like Jesus, to be like Him. Matthew 5, verse 14. Let's look there. We'll be closing. Matthew 5, verse 14. It says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and, give, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Verse 14 again, you are the light of the world. He calls us the light. The Bible says his word is light, his word is life. We have the spirit of the living God on the inside of us. We have the life of God. We are the light of God on this earth. We are those ambassadors and we are shining his light. A city that is on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. So this life that God through Jesus has provided, this abundant life, is not so that we can sit and put a basket on it and say, I have an abundant life. It's good for me. It's good for my family. That's it. We're all good. It's so that we can let others see. It says we don't put it, they don't put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, you put it up, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That is part of our calling as ambassadors to let people see who we are and then, through that, who Jesus is.
Hallelujah, because it's all about him.